Coming up, we're putting the Cousins to Culpepper drama to bed once and for all. Plus, Jordan Addison's chances at Rookie of the Year end. One educated guess on what the Vikings will do with their new cap space. It's all coming up next on a special draft edition of the Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Back in the lab, another edition, Football Party, Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network, daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings. You can now find us streaming, Roku, Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just look out for and download our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. See that? That's Sam Ekstrom. He's on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. He co-hosts the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sam, quick timeout, first things first. Don't forget this episode. It's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Okay, Sam, I say we just dive in. There's a hot topic of discussion as of late. It's been Dante Culpepper versus Kirk Cousins. I think it was last week, maybe a few days ago, PFF kind of stirred up some controversy stating Dante was a historical member of the Minnesota Vikings of course, everybody lost their minds. Now, I became a fan in 98. So the Culpepper era was my prime, so to speak. He was kind of my guy from 2000 to 05. And I don't know if you remember, Sam, but I had a tweet about two months ago or so comparing Dante and Kirk. Because to this point, as we sit here today in the offseason, the two have actually played the exact same amount of games in Minnesota. So it's kind of wow. easy to compare the two, right? Apples to apples for a second. And at first glance, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, the numbers for Kirk beats out Dante in a variety of categories. Here's just a few. In 80 games with the Vikings, Cousins has 18 more passing TDs than Culpepper, 800 more passing yards, four more fourth quarter comebacks, 36 less interceptions, 34 less fumbles. He's got a better QBR, and he's won eight more games, winning percentage 582 versus 475. So long story short, on paper, it does look like Cousins has the stats to say, all right, this isn't much of an argument here. But a couple key things I think we got to break down here, Sam. Number one, those stats don't include Dante's 2,500 rushing yards, 30 rushing mm -hmm. TDs. I mean, that's half of what made Culpepper so fun and electric was the legs. So can't forget about that facet of his game. Number two, the supporting cast, and we can probably go back and forth on this and cherry pick, nitpick a little bit. Dante in 05, though, without Randy Moss, that lineup and supporting cast was atrocious. Here's his receiving core in 05. Burleson is your number one. You got a rookie from South Carolina who couldn't really catch. His name was Troy Williamson. Don't know if you remember that name. He's your number two, mm -hmm. arguably a top five bust in Vikings history, by the way. And then Corin Robinson and Travis Taylor, those are your three and four. 
that's atrocious, man. And and let me play devil's advocate here because Dante had Moss there for the majority of his run. Okay, but Kirk's got JJ, right? I mean, he's already broken a lot of Moss's records. He's on pace to do some wild things right now. Dante also had Chris Carter for a few seasons, though. But Kirk's cast, though, too. I mean, it ain't no slouch either. Diggs and Thielen plus Dalvin in the running game for a while. Now it's J.J. and Thielen there for the last few years with Cook in the backfield. So it's not like Kirk hasn't had a great supporting cast either. And then I guess number three, too. And this is what's so hard to translate and account for, in my opinion. Dante... He played in a different era, man. I mean, Cousins plays in this new pass-happy league where the rules have changed so much now that the offense, specifically the passing game, has such a huge advantage now. And I think you got to take that into account because it matters if we're comparing quarterbacks from different eras and the advantages or disadvantage they had compared to one another. So, I mean, these stats nowadays are so inflated from what we grew up watching. It is kind of tough to go apples to apples. So I guess what it really boils down to here, Sam, is what's the question? Is it who would you rather have to win one game or, you know, one game winning drive? Because neither are really great in that category. Dante was two and two. Okay. In the playoffs, Kirk's one and four. Granted, Kirk does have eight more game winning drives on his resume, which I think that has to count for something. I think if the question is, who would you rather have at their ultimate peak, right? Kirk or Dante? For me, I'm taking Dante. Because Dante, at his highest, at his best, he was Josh Allen before Josh Allen. I mean, Kirk's got the floor, right? Kirk's got the higher floor. He's safe. He's consistent. Doesn't turn the ball over nearly as much as Dante did, which was so frustrating watching Dante with all those fumbles every single game. But Dante, I mean, he's the top shelf energy drink at his peak. And that means Kirk is just, you know, he's a, he's a cup of plain black coffee, right? No cream, no sugar. That's Kirk Cousins. Kirk, as we all know by now, I think he needs everything around him to be almost perfect for things to go right. And again, when they are, he's great. But in my opinion, the ceiling, I think, if that's the question, who's got the higher ceiling? Dante, I mean, takes it 10 out of 10 times. Uh, I mean, Kirk's ceiling isn't close to Dante's. The highs weren't as close to Dante's, in my opinion. I mean, tell me what you think. Tell me I'm nuts. Tell me I'm crazy. Cousins versus Culpepper. Just help me put all this nonsense to bed. Yeah, I I think that you have correctly answered your question. If your question is who was the more talented quarterback in theory, it was Dante Culpepper. He could, he had a, a bigger, deep arm. He mm-hmm. could make throws outside of the pocket and he could run. 29 rushing touchdowns as a Minnesota Viking. Had a year with over 600 yards. I mean, that's like, that's, crazy. that's, a, that's a crazy good uh, quarterback rushing season. Um, now, if the question is who was better in their 80 games? for the Minnesota Vikings. I actually lean Kirk. Um, because supporting cast, if you, you stack it up, the the offenses were pretty good all the way through for both. Um, the defenses for Kirk for three consecutive years have been abysmal. For Dante, the defenses in, really all the way through were pretty abysmal. Like I think 2000 was kind of the, the remnants of that 98 defense. And then they, they aged out. 01 was terrible. 02 was terrible. 03 and 04, pretty bad too. Like, honestly, Dante didn't really have great defenses at all. Um, and I, I think that 
Kirk actually had a higher floor. Like if if he didn't have a lot of defensive support, Dante did not tend to win a lot of those games. Like he had some really bad seasons. Kirk's never had a bad season. Uh, Vikings have always been competitive deep in, in, into December with Kirk Cousins. Um, the fumble thing is real with Dante too. Um, I don't see on pro football reference lost fumbles, but just overall fumbles, 81 to 47, Dante. I mean, if you if you even say that he lost, what, 25, 30 of those? I mean, that almost nullifies his rushing touchdown total, right? Yeah, the because... small hands was a thing before mm-hmm. we got really into the hand measurements at the combine and the draft the last 15 years. Dante's small hands were a problem. You're totally right. Yeah, and um, I had one more. I had a salient point here. That, oh, yeah, durability. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a factor too. Why did why did Dante only have 80 games with the Vikings because of injuries, and he missed games along the way, you know, previously in his career as well. That's why Gus Farratt had to had to have a spell at quarterback in all three. So I, I think that I would I think I think Kirk has had a better 80 games in purple, but I think Dante was the better quarterback. So your the question is critical, Luke, and I think you've answered your question correctly. And I agree with your answer. And then my question is, who was better in those 80 games? And I think my answer is correct in that Kirk was better in those 80 games. Is that is that how you would view it too? The biggest point you just made is the durability and the consistency. Because at that position, at the quarterback position, there's nothing more valuable. I mean, you have to have a guy. It doesn't do you much good to have a Pro Bowl type of quarterback if he's only playing seven, eight games or if he's hobbled and banged up more times than not. So that I will give you with Kirk Cousins. And I will agree the highs with Dante were absolutely better than Kirk, but the lows were really low when they were high, man. I mean, here's another great example of how high Culpepper's ceiling was. In 04, Dante almost wins the MVP which, Sam, that's given to the most valuable player in the league. If you didn't Mm -hmm. know, that's the MVP. If Peyton Manning doesn't go full Peyton Manning on the bit and break the passing touchdown record, Culpepper wins the MVP. That's how high Culpepper's highs were. I mean, can you even imagine a world where Kirk Cousins is even mentioned in the same breath as other MVP candidates like like ever? I, I mean... Here's how I like to think about it. If I was a GM, I was building a team from scratch. Which player in their prime would you build your team around? Which guy would you start with? I think I'm going Dante 10 out of 10 times. And again, I hope that I can build a offensive line that can protect him so he doesn't miss time. I hope the coaches can, you know, work on the the fumbles and the turnovers and things like that. But you just can't teach that raw talent that he had. Again, Josh Allen before Josh Allen, especially back in that era too. I mean, there's a reason Dante, he went top 12 in 99, the draft he came out. And Cousins, he went in the fourth round, coming on Michigan State. And granted, I mean, hey, if this was the stock exchange, Cousins has been a return on his investment for a day three pick exponentially. You've gotten your money's worth and more out of Kirk Cousins from a draft pick perspective. But Dante was a freak, man, at his best. I mean, the ceilings don't compare, but you built a great case why Kirk Cousins maybe has been, again, during these 80 games, a better quarterback. We always talk about the elite quarterbacks all the time. Who's the elite? It's Kirk Cousins, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar, Hurts. Culpepper in his prime for those few years. 
he truly was elite. Kirk, on the other hand, really, 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 really great game manager at the end of the day. I mean, get the ball to your playmakers. Let them do the rest. Don't turn the ball over. Don't lose the game by trying to squeeze those passes in tight windows. Other end of the token, what have we all been so frustrated about this offseason? All right, don't squeeze that tough throw in there. Instead, you're going to throw a check down with the season on the line on fourth and eight, five yards short of the sticks. I mean, that's Kirk. You know what I mean? So you got to take the good with the bad with both. Uh, I think it's crazy to think about just now that this conversation has been kind of rehashed. It's crazy to think about if Dante didn't tear his knee up, which that's part of the game, got to stay healthy. But if he didn't tear his knee up in 05, it's kind of wild to think about what his career might have looked like because, yeah. I mean, he was on pace to do some wild things, both through the air and on the ground. The NFL to that point it just really never seen before at that time. So I just wish Vikings fans of this generation were able to witness Dante in his prime, the greatness, the electricity he brought to the table back then in that era. Final parting words before we move on. Any last stats or facts, closing arguments, Dante yeah. Woods Kirk. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I think that we are organically kind of on different sides of this argument, which I I, I like because I I again, I come back to and I got the fumble number. Mm -hmm. And ironically, like I mentioned, it kind of, you know, cancels out the rushing touchdowns. It exactly cancels out 29 wow. fumbles lost, 29 rushing touchdowns. Um, and I don't want to underestimate his ability to move. Like he was a quarterback ahead of his time and it was awesome to watch. But let's also look at some key pieces of his career with the Vikings. We all remember the fast start in 03. And the uh, the hail mary to Moss and the lateral and and the six and zero record, the Vikings finished three and seven that year, and lose a must win game at Arizona. Okay, the next year they start five and one, same hot start, same three and seven finish, and they did win a playoff game that year, but they were eight and eight regular season. They finished very very poorly, and then oh five, the year where people were saying, well Dante he was almost MVP. What can he do to back it up? His first two games, zero touchdowns, eight interceptions. And they started two and five that year. So in Dante's final 17 games, a full season's worth, the Vikings went five and 12. Like the, the, the bursts of brilliance from Dante came in very short spurts, Luke. It was, and even in that six and oh start, he didn't play two of them. So a four and oh start in one year, a five and one start another year. And the 2000 season, I mean, the 2000 season is probably Dante's finest moment, I think, his first year as quarterback, um, when he led them to an NFC championship and lost 41 nothing. I, I just, I, 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 I'm not sure that that resume, if it was today, I think Dante would also get ripped apart. Like, I think that we definitely, we enjoyed Dante because he was so unique and so mobile and so different at the time. And I don't know if we get, I don't know if he got a pass at the time on, you know, in the chat rooms on the new internet thing that people were, were using that dial up. Um, but yeah. Dial up. I just, I, I think that he would be more scrutinized if he played today. I think if you're compare, if you're trying to like compare eras, it's a little trickier because that was a previous era of, of the NFL. Um, but yeah, he was special. He just could never put it together for a full season. I think it all goes back to, again, what we started with. What's the question? Is it who you, you're building a team around from scratch? Is it the guy you need to win one game or one game-winning drive? Or is it the better quarterback in those 80 games 
for the Vikings. I think both have a case for different categories. I'd be interested. Great stats, by the way, how much he kind of fell off and went cold those last 10, 15 games in purple. I'd be very interested to see what kind of coaching changes uh, kind of took place there. Was that still the Mike Tice era there? I can't remember. I'd have to do some digging in 05. Tice, who was Tice got fired coordinator? after 05. Who was his mm-hmm. offensive coordinator? The difference from, you know, yeah. Danny Green. Those stats that you just pulled out, Sam, they're tough to argue against. But as we know, coaching and offensive game plan, and again, supporting cast in 05, don't forget that as well, uh, that all has to play into the equation as well. A lot of different factors there. I'm kind of smiling and laughing a little bit because – it's just funny what we're talking about. What are we talking about? Cousins versus Don- like if these are the hot topics of conversation before OTAs, I'm not sure I even want to know what we're going to be talking about in the thick of the summer offseason, man. Like boxers are brief, Sam. Uh, Disney <laughs> or Pixar. Could Jack could have fit on that door uh, with Rose in the Titanic or was totally. she hogging all the space, Sam? I mean, these are the hard hitting questions that people mm-hmm. want to know. Uh, all right. Coming up. What's it going to take? For Jordan Addison to win the Rookie of the Year. Plus, how are the Vikings going to spend all this new cap space this summer? But first, quick reminder, don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book and official sports book partner of the MLB. Twins taking on the Giants again tonight. Sonny Gray on the mound. Twins favored at minus 145. Get in on all the action at FanDuel.com slash Locked On. And remember... If you're a new customer, try out the No Sweat First Bet, up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the easy-to-use FanDuel app. Get your winnings instantly. Guys, they got money lines, parlays, prop bets. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire MLB season. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of Locked On. All right, Sam, Jordan Addison, a lot of people agree. This isn't like a homer take. There was no player in the entire draft that landed in a better situation than Jordan Addison did here in Minnesota. Guy gets to play next to J.J. and Hawkinson. He's got a savvy veteran quarterback, knows how to get him the ball, and he now gets to slide into this wide receiver two spot with Adam Thielen gone to Carolina. So he's ready to roll. And speaking of FanDuel, despite all that, Addison, only the six best odds to win Rookie of the Year behind, in order, Bijan Robinson in Atlanta, Bryce Young, Jamar Gibbs, Anthony Richardson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who sits at plus 1,200, while Jordan Addison currently sitting at plus 1600 so again whether these draft experts had addison you know as wide receiver number one or more of a second round guy top 50 guy they all say the same thing and that's they love where addison landed and the situation he's in so i'll start here sam are you surprised to see addison sixth in the rookie of the year odds given how much love he's gotten as far as a year one projection goes everybody expects him to hit the ground running and just your quick knee-jerk reaction of the list and maybe guys who's a little bit higher or a little bit lower than maybe you would have expected yeah well there is some precedent the last two years for a wide receiver to win this award jamar chase garrett wilson so entirely possible the quarterbacks are going to be a factor um, cause I could see young Stroud and Richardson all starting maybe even in week one. So that, and the quarterbacks carry a lot of weight and Hey, 
prior to the last two years, a quarterback had won it like four out of six, I think. Um, so you've got that that going. And then I think K.J. Osborne and J- Justin Jefferson work against him. I still view K.J. Osborne as the number two on this team for now. I think Addison will have to unseat him, and he might, but I don't think it happens right away. So if if Jefferson is going to play a full season, that's a lot of targets going his way that aren't going Jordan Addison's way. And even if Addison gets a 50-50 split with K.J. Osborne, it may prohibit him from putting up rookie of the year type totals. I think he would have to be a thousand yard receiver, Luke. Can he be? Yes. I mean, rookie receivers have been having this impact now for years, but when Justin Jefferson's the other guy, TJ Hawkinson, KJ Osborne, like it, it, it is good. It is tough to see Addison doing enough to win this thing. Um, but maybe Luke, maybe that's the value, Luke. If you get in on it now, before he really unleashes it in uh, in OTAs here, maybe today's the day. Maybe today he puts up three one-handed catches at OTAs, and then it's over. Um, but also B. John Robinson. I mean, B. John Robinson's the third factor there. He's going to get so much work with Atlanta. I mean, they're not going to they're not going to pass the ball as much. That's going to be a run-heavy team. Robinson is is rightfully the favorite. So for all those reasons, I'd probably steer clear of this but that value is kind of juicy. Yeah, I was shocked. A lot of great points, by the way. I was shocked to see Addison not only six on the list, but also not the first wide receiver in the rankings. That kind of surprised me right away. To your point, I can't blame you if anyone wants to go with a quarterback like Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young. That's always going to make sense. You can always justify that because they're usually the favorites because they're going to rack up all the stats if they walk in to a position where they're going to be starting right out the gate and they got some weapons around them. But to see two running backs higher on the list than Addison in such a pass-happy league and to see Jackson higher there as well, it surprised me right away, especially when you think about the fact Geno Smith and the Seahawks threw about 70 fewer passes than Kirk did last year. Seattle's defense, they got a whole heck of a lot better with Witherspoon and Derek Hall now, so maybe that offense won't have to score as many points, won't be in as many shootouts as they were. Meanwhile, the Vikings, D, still below average at best. And we've already said this offense is going to have to air it out a ton next season. And then lastly, too, I mean, I know the Vikes have J.J. and Hawk. I mean, they're going to soak up a ton of targets. But Addison still feels like, to me, Sam, the 2A behind him and Hawkinson. I understand, you know, K.J. Osborne's going to soak up uh, maybe a little bit more than people realize. So that was a good point. But Jackson feels like the clear-cut wide receiver three and like third weapon in that Seahawks passing game. Between all that, the fact Kirk had more passing yards, more completions than Geno last year. If nothing else, to your point, I just love the value of Addison being ranked that low behind guys like Gibbs mm-hmm. and Bijan, let alone Jackson. 16 to 1. I mean, if we we're talking 8 to 1, 9 to 1, 10 to 1, sure. Maybe it doesn't sound like a huge difference. 16 to 1 seems very low for Jordan Addison to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Is it the fact that Vegas feels like JJ and to your point, KJ Osborne and maybe Hawkinson is just going to steal so many targets and big plays? Addison may be on the outside looking in on this Vikings passing game, at least early on in year one. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably a concern for you know why you wouldn't go this way. Mm-hmm. All, it's also interesting too, Luke, that you know Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnston, who were taken yes. prior, 
are like 2200 and 2500. Yeah. Um so there is some, you know, there are some people looking favorably on Addison. Now if they throw it 600 and this is just and this doesn't include whatever uh you know Mullins did in that week 18 game. Mm-hmm. If Cousins throws it 643 times this year. I mean that that is a lot to go around. However, I don't know that they will. It seems like they have crafted this offseason a bit around dialing back the throws, increasing the running game, maybe knocking that down to more of a, you know, 580 to 600 total for Kirk Cousins and just being a little more conservative with the passing game. Um again, I don't think KJ Osborne is immune from being kind of knocked off his perch. Uh my, my gut though believes that this coaching staff sees him as wide receiver two right now. I think that is the, that's what their default will be. And then Addison, if he shows he's ready right away, and he might be, then I think things could change. That all makes sense. A lot of great points again. I, I'm just still hung up. The first thing I noticed, I, I just couldn't believe that Jackson was a little bit higher than Addison. And I think the two big yeah. things, I mean, you just mentioned the running game. I mean, that's a big thing you got to consider if you're really going to throw your hard-earned money on this. Like two running games between Seattle and Minnesota. Because we all agree Dalvin, was, he's going to be long gone by week one, right? So do we really expect the Vikings to give Alexander Madison the same amount of volume as we did to Cook? Probably not, right? Obviously, a little bit more running back by committee, but to what point, right? How much do they move the needle? Do they dial it back and run the ball more? Or where are all those other plays going? Does KOC air it out even more next year? Because I really don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities with KOC. Meanwhile, in Seattle, Pete Carroll always been a ground and pound type of guy. Now he's got not only Kenneth Walker, but he's got Zach Charbonnet as well. Another second round running back two absolute bruisers that he's going to want to grind defenses down, run the clock out with, I guarantee you. So a lot of different factors going on with Addison versus Jackson when it comes to these rookie of the year odds. And even the other guys like Gibbs, who I love Gibbs coming out. But do you think David Montgomery isn't going to steal 10 plus goal line touchdowns just like Jamal Williams did to DeAndre Swift last year. I mean, they must think Gibbs is going to catch 70 balls to have him rank that high. Third in offense rookie of the year with all the other weapons in Detroit. I mean, he might catch 70 balls, especially with Jamison Williams suspended the first six weeks. I guess that makes sense. But that's still a really high bar to reach for any running back, let alone a rookie. You mentioned with uh, Bijan in Atlanta. Again, another stud. No one's arguing that. But didn't Tyler Algier just run for over 1,000 yards? Plus, don't forget about our guy, Cordero Patterson, still in the mix. And then you got Kyle Pitts and Drake London in the passing game as well. I mean, you use two top 10 picks on passing weapons, you're going to try to get them the ball as well too. So I just love Addison's fit in the Vikings offense. Everyone does. That's not a hot take. And I think there is some extreme value to be had right now in these rookie of the year odds over at fanduel.com slash lockdown. So go check them out. All right, Sam. Vikings traded away Zedarius. We know that. Cleared about $10 million, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, right. Dalvin Cook, he's going to be off the books and maybe a week from now, actually. So that leaves the Vikings who, don't forget, not long ago, were dead last in cap space, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. Now they got a healthy chunk of change to play with. So what the heck are they going to do with all this new money here, Sam? I know everyone assumes... They're just going to dump it into J.J. and Hawk with some contract extensions, maybe spread it out, maybe front load a little bit, soak up some of this extra money now. Are you in that camp as well? And if they are going to go make a splash in free agency, 
Give me one guy. Give me one name you could see them targeting this summer. Yeah, I, I think the the realist in me says that this is going to go towards the Daniil extension because Daniil needs to have new money kind of introduced to him right away. I think that Daniil eats up the, the big chunk of that. Now, the pie-in-the-sky um, optimist or the kind of unrealistic part of me says, go get Frank Clark. He's only 29. Impact edge rusher you have. And maybe it's another one-year kind of mercenary prove-it deal like uh, Davenport signed and you just have a couple of one-year contracts. I don't know. Maybe a two-year deal would be great. Um, but if you could get Frank Clark on a short-term deal, that would be incredible because I still don't know if we can really buy into Davenport fully um, as a three-down guy. Now, my more modest attempt to bring in some talent would be Casey Hayward Jr., just a veteran corner who hasn't really had a significant drop-off yet in his career. He is old. He's almost 34, coming off injury. So you're going to get him cheap. You probably don't need a lot of cap space to sign him, but I think that's a veteran who's got a great track record um, that could come in and just help guide these lost rookies and like show them to the meeting room and you know hold their hand a little bit during film. Uh, that's someone that I wouldn't mind. We're on the same wavelength. I like where you went, edge rusher. I like that. Here's what I think. I think Quasey wants to go apples for apples, he wants to take this new vacancy left behind by Zedarius and just go plug that hole with the new pass rusher for Brian Flores to play with. They've already got their running back by committee after the Dalvin Cook error. They're set there. I just find it really hard to believe they're willing to risk their entire 2023 pass rush on the likes of Daniil Hunter, who, when healthy, is phenomenal, but tough to bank on and Marcus Davenport who didn't even have one sack last year I can't see it no chance I'm with you and the good news is there is some big names still sitting out there you mentioned Frank Clark we talked about Yannick Ngakwe last week Javion Clowney sounds like he maybe wants to go to Houston but I think there's one guy out of that group that just makes the most sense by far and away it's Leonard Floyd and I know Quasey doesn't sign anybody older than what 28 He's like Leonardo DiCaprio, by the way. 28. Floyd's 30. All right. Floyd's 30. I get it. A little old for a quasi, but KOC saw Floyd up close and personal in LA his last two years. He knows the type of impact Leonard Floyd can have on a defense. The last three years, he's been one of the most consistent pass rushers in the game. 30 sacks, 28 tackles for loss, 60 quarterback hits in three years. The guy just knows how to disrupt the passer, Sam. And I think this is the splash move. They're getting ready to pull the trigger on right behind the scenes and, and help just replenish this defense back up with some real talent up front that you know Brian Flores is just banging the table for. I'm sure like all these guys, whether it's Clowney or Frank Clark or Floyd, I'm sure they're all asking for a big chunk of money, maybe three, four-year deal worth 40, 50 mil. But I think the further we get into summer, I think these two can start to find maybe a happy medium, some middle ground, and what maybe a contract looks like with some guaranteed money up front come to some sort of agreement. But I'm calling my shot, man. Vault me, play this back. I think the Vikings... Call it a hunch. I think the Vikings are going to sign Leonard Floyd, and they're going to finally soak up some of that extra money that they have post-Sedarius, post-Alvin Cook. Go get your guys, GGYG. That's what I think, anyways. And he's yeah. durable. 
He's durable. Of those guys, Clowney probably cost too much. Yannick Ngakwe, not going to run that experiment back again. Uh, Frank Clark, I'd love Frank Clark. To be honest, I'd love either one of them. But I just see the L.A. ties and connection, and I just think it makes the most sense. I really do. Realistically, they got enough money. I know Kwesi does not want to get tied up in some big contracts with older veterans. So be interesting if they do sign any of these guys, what the contract actually looks like. All right, last quick one, rapid fire. Three things you're most excited to see at OTAs. You'll be out there today watching these guys. What are you looking for the most? Let's just start alternating. You go first. Go ahead. What do you got? Cornerback rotation. Mm, are they going, that's a good is, one. Is, is Booth active? If he's yeah. active, is he in the starting mix? Is Joan Williams going to be sort of the, the default veteran who starts alongside Murphy? Um, who's in the slot? I don't. I have no clue. It's just a, a mangled kind of stew of cornerback du jour. So let's see what like. Let's see who they're throwing out there right away. I love that one. That's a great call out. Um, Jaron Hall doesn't need to look like Russell Wilson on day one of OTAs, but I just want to. Does he? Does he have the goods? You kind of can tell the eye test. And that first impression can tell you a lot about some of these rookies right away. Either you got it or you don't. Obviously, again, fifth round pick, day one of OTAs, doesn't need to be a pro bowler. But does he look natural? Is he in command of his setting? Can he spin the rock? You know, Does he have that, that leadership quality that we've always heard so much about coming out of BYU? Because if he does... Watch out, Sam. This may be a fun summer at this quarterback position between Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. And who knows? Maybe the Vikings may have just found their bridge from Kirk Cousins in 2024 that they've been looking for. Number two on your list. What do you got? Um, Josh Oliver, big acquisition, blocking tight end. I just want to see how he looks and how they use him. Does he take up a lot of space? Does he clear lanes in the running game? Is he ever targeted? And uh, when he's on the field, what wide receivers are on the field? Can they have three wide receivers with with Oliver on the field? I don't know if that that works out. So uh, Josh Oliver's usage is very intriguing to me. Yeah, that's a good one. I got to check in with his 2022 draft class. Where's Lewis seen? They showed some video of him yesterday. Looked good in some light drills. You mentioned Andrew Booth. Where's he at in his rehab? Where's Asamoah on the depth chart? Is he running with the ones? Uh, Jalen Naylor, Ed Ingram, Ty Chandler. There's just so much pressure on that draft class to come on strong and make a huge impact if the Vikings want to have any similar success they did in 2022. Last thing you're looking for at OTAs today and moving on this week. What do you got? Yeah, I don't think they're going to show us much, but I if I can glean even one little nugget about Brian Flores' defense, I would I would walk away happy. Usually they they're going to keep it pretty vanilla, pretty simple. These defensive players are learning a new scheme and uh they're probably not going to do anything too fancy, but let's see how he deploys those safeties. Are they in the box at all? Are his corners and I they're not they're not allowed to press based on NFL rules, so we can't even see if they're jamming guys yet, but Let's just see if there's anything that stands out about Brian Flores's defense. Uh, God forbid they're they're actually allowed to play football during football practice. God forbid. Yeah, we don't want um, that. My last one, obviously, all eyes are going to be on Jordan Addison from this rookie class, but I'm looking at the late round guys, the UDFAs we've talked about the last few weeks. Who just looks the part? I remember 2015, the Stefan Diggs guy. 
comes out of nowhere, makes play after play after play all summer long. Nobody could do anything about it. Do any of these new rookies just look the part, have a natural feel for the game early on? I'm talking about Ivan Pace Jr., Andre Carter, our guy Malik Knowles, Dwayne McBride. Those are the guys I'm interested in who can make an early splash, maybe turn some heads at OTAs. Looking forward to it, man. You're heading out there later today, correct? I will be out there. Follow me at Sam Ekstrom. I'll have some tweets, maybe uh, a grainy photo of an important player. Only stuff that you can find on my Twitter account. Great stuff per usual, my man. I know you're about to head out of here and go to those OTAs. So that's a wrap today. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of the Football Party. One-stop shop, break down everything Minnesota Vikings. That's the man, Sam Ekstrom, on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Football Party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow with the mailbag edition of the Football Party. But until then, I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, signing out.